for many people, if, um, if not for, for, for most people, um, happiness is based upon all the circumstances in their lives being right, having all their, their ducks in a row, uh, all this. Uh, I, I saw it put this way. They, they, they're, they're part of the when and then thinking. When I get the right job, then, I'll, then I'll, everything will be all right. When I find the right mate, then I'll be happy. When I have kids, then I'll be happy. Or when the kids get out of the house, then I'll be happy. They're always waiting on the, the, the when to be right before they can be happy. And we, we fall into that faulty thinking that outward circumstances are what make us happy. Jesus and God's word cuts directly counter to all that thinking. Matter of fact, it's right the opposite. And Jesus insists that happiness and contentment are not based on outward circumstances at all, but they depend upon an attitude from within. Uh, In fact, as we read into Matthew chapter 5, it's where we we find ourselves this morning. And as we read into that, we, we, we come across Jesus giving an attitude check. Remember when you used to do that uh, years ago, attitude check? And uh, some of you remember that. Others think, I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, this section of scripture is talking about, uh, Jesus, is talking about uh, that Jesus is saying we're, we're, we're totally, or, or when, we're, when we have the right way of thinking, then happiness and contentment and joy can follow. It follows the right attitude. Matter of fact, this section of scripture is known as the Beatitudes, Okay. So uh, be in the right attitude. Somebody one time said that the only way to, to change another person's attitude was either by deep psychotherapy, a deep religious experience, or brain surgery. <laughs> and uh, I, I tend to think the, agree with the second one because I know when we come into a living, to a dynamic encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ, and when he comes into our heart and saves us, scripture teaches us that he changes everything. Matter of fact, one of the verses says, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so I'm convinced that a, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ can change even the worst attitudes as the Holy Spirit of God works in us and through us to make us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pick up in Matthew 5. I want to read the, the first 12 verses, and then I want to, we're going to come back and just zero in on, on verse 3 this morning. But let's just kind of get an overview of this. It says, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came to him. Now, it's interesting, Jesus, as Jesus looks out on, on, looked out on the crowd, and as Jesus looks out this morning, upon the congregation here at the house of prayer. He, he sees all of us, but he sees us individually also. And when he sees us, he doesn't just see the outward. He knows us. He knows us. Jesus knows this morning when, what, when, where we are. He knows, he knows what we came, what, what was the greatest need. He knows the fear maybe we haven't even expressed. He knows that. He knows all our failures. He knows our our desires. He knows our hearts. And listen, he still loves us. He knows everything about us and he loves us. And Jesus looking out on this crowd saw them 
And he saw them the way he sees us. He saw the crowd, but he knew the needs. And then it says, looking out and seeing the multitudes, he sets down. Now, the Jewish rabbi, when he was ready to teach, he would sit. And when he would, when he would sit down, this would be the cue for everybody around that, that now's the time to listen. The rabbi is getting ready to teach. So Jesus sits down and his disciples come to him and Jesus begins to teach them. And this is his teaching. He says, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And, and I guess probably should have said this early on, but, but this word blessed, uh, Greek, where other translations have got what? They're happy. Some of them got happy. Some of them have what? Some of them have happy, oh, how happy. Some of them may have happy many times over. Uh, the original word is, is in, in Greek is an emphatic word. And so this, it's supposed to be emphasized that, that not just happy, but man, really happy, okay? Really happy. Verse seven says, happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I want to go back up and look at verse three and, uh, and, and, and in doing this, I was reading this a while back, reading this portion of Scripture and, this, and the, the Beatitudes, and this portion of Scripture is part that long, long, long time ago, many at the House of Prayer memorized and committed to, to, to memory portions of this. Would you, would you agree that Jesus does everything perfectly? Would you agree with that? I, I really believe that. I believe when Jesus does something, he does it exactly the way he wants to do it. I don't believe he's ever said, whoops, messed up right there. You know, I mean, I, that's pretty common around Jerry Helton's house uh, with, with me. But I believe Jesus does everything right. And so it's no, it's no coincidence. I don't think it's just a happen chance that as Jesus begins teaching this portion of Scripture, and by the way, what chapters 5, 6, and 7 is, is, is one of the, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's probably the longest extended recorded teaching that of Jesus that we have in the New Testament. And so I believe it's, it's, it's completely by design that Jesus starts this sermon with these words. Blessed, happy, really happy are the poor in spirit. And I believe that one of the reasons that, that as, as we look at this and as we, as we will go through, Lord willing, and, and the days before us, if, if the Lord allows, we'll, we'll look at that off of this first one, 
The others build just like building on a foundation of these right attitudes uh, that are so critical. If you're not poor in spirit, it's going to become very difficult, if not impossible, to find the contentment and the happiness that God wants to be ours. So let's gather uh, with this. I, I, I want to do, so I read this verse three from the Amplified Bible. Now, if you're not familiar with the Amplified Bible, you can get lost in a verse, okay? It just, it just goes into depth and the detail of, of, of every word in that verse almost. But I was just, I was, I was captured. Matter of fact, uh, it was, it was uh, last week one day uh, when I was, when Barbie had me sequestered in the house. And uh, I, I told her, I said, you, you spoiled me. But she, she was, such a, she was such, such a tremendous blessing to me and waited on me hand and foot. And, uh, you know, I, I could go on, but she really did. But I was sequestered in there. And, uh, and I, I picked up, she's got a parallel Bible sitting on the, the table in the front room. And so I, I picked it up and I happened to read this verse in the Amplified. And when I read the verse in the Amplified, I knew then that we had to take some time looking at this verse. Listen at the Amplified. It says, blessed, happy. To be envied and spiritually prosperous are the poor in spirit. Now, the Amplified goes on to define what what spiritually prosperous is. Listen. That is, with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Wow. Wow. I read that last week and I, and I, and I, and I read it and it just, it, it gripped me. I thought, Lord, Lord, am I satisfied with your favor and salvation regardless of my outward conditions, regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of all the chaos, regardless of all, uh, you know, all the personal things, regardless of all the family things, regardless of all the societal things. Am I finding my satisfaction in your favor and in your salvation? Blessed, happy, to be envied and spiritually prosperous, that is with life joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward circumstances or outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. And then he defines, then the Amplified obviously goes into the poor in spirit. The humble, rating themselves insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so what does this mean? What was, what was Jesus saying when he was talking about the poor in spirit? Those who rank themselves insignificant. He, he, surely he, he wasn't talking about possessions. The verse doesn't say blessed in spirit are those who are poor. And say that. Matter of fact, Jesus does not anywhere that I can find condemn having possessions. But he warns us solemnly and over about not allowing possessions to have us. So he's, he's not talking about possessions and it does not say blessed are the poor in spirit. He's not talking about the self-debased. He's not talking about says I'm, I'm, I'm just a, 
I'm just a piece of junk. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. You know, I love that saying is that uh, God don't make bad investments. And he's invested in you through his son, Jesus Christ. You are special. You are special to him. Every one of us. He sees He sees the crowds. He saw the multitude. But he sees each of us today. He sees Kendall. He sees David. He sees Draft. He sees us. He sees Bill. He sees Jerry. He sees us. It's an humble realization. Poor in spirit, I believe, says those who are humble, who rank themselves insignificant. I I believe the, the poor in spirit is a realization that we come to when we understand that we are totally unable of saving ourselves, that we are totally dependent upon God's grace and God's mercy in our lives. Jesus kind of lived that out. He kind of he walked out what this true humility looks like. Matter of fact, in, in Philippians chapter two, remember the, the part of scripture, was it, is it verse eight? Look, look at verse eight and, and says, and when he was living as a man, Jesus humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on a cross. He humbled himself. He emptied himself of, 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 of all that he could have demanded as God. It's a poor in spirit. The rich in spirit know it all. <laughs> the rich in spirit can answer all the questions. The poor in spirit realize our deficiencies and our limitations. The rich in spirit are self-sufficient. The poor in spirit are Christ-dependent. Reminds me of a story in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, we've got an encounter with Jesus, and the scripture describes as a rich, young Ruler, a rich young ruler. And scripture says a certain young ruler came to him and said, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why are you calling me good, man? Why are you calling me good? And then Jesus tells him something, and uh, I believe Jesus wanted to realize, I, 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 Jesus know, knew, knew him, he, uh, like he knows us, he knew all about him. He knew that this man was a self-made, self-sufficient guy. And so what Jesus tells him, he says, uh, thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And the young ruler says, man, I've done all these. Let me put it this way. I, I, uh, I know I, I don't like necessarily being read to, but uh, Max Licato, I love Max Licato's writings. And in his book, Applause from Heaven, gives an account, a Licato account of, uh, of this encounter in Luke 18. Just indulge me and listen to this. I, I read this and... Only as Max could do it. Listen. Says he's rich. Italian shoes, tailored suit. His money is invested. 
his plastic or gold cards. He lives like he flies, first class. He's young. He pumps away fatigue at the gym and slam dunks old age at the court. His belly is flat. I read this and I really, I thought, you gotta be kidding me. I, you know, I can remember, I think, I can remember, I can remember when I could, when I could uh, see my feet. Um, you know, there's something about, I can, I can remember when my pants stayed up. And, uh, and now I've got suspenders, you know, Lou. Uh, I just go around hitching my britches up all the time, you know, and I, and I uh, but, but listen to this. We, we know, I mean, listen to this. Been there, some, you know, some of, us, I, some of us are still there in our mind. It's just when we look in the mirror, we're reminded, you ain't that anymore, big boy. Listen to this. He's rich, Italian shoes, tailored suit, his money's invested, his plastic gold cards. He lives like he flies first class. He's young. He pumps away fatigue at the gym, slam dunks, old age at the court. His belly is flat. His eyes are sharp. Ener- yeah. Energy's his trademark and death is an eternity away. He's a ruler, powerful. If you don't think so, just ask him. You got questions, he's got answers. You got problems, he's got solutions. You got dilemmas, he's got opinions. He knows where he's going. He's mastered the three P's of yuppiedom. Prosperity, posterity, and power. He's the rich, young ruler. Jesus gives him these commandments and the rich young ruler probably tucks in his sakes and hitches up his britches and said, hey, I've done all these ever since I was a kid. What else you got for me? I mean, mean, really? That's what he says. Listen to what what Lakato says about that. He says... uh, How, how Jesus keeps from laughing or crying is beyond me. The question that was intended to show the rich young ruler how he falls short, only convincing him that he stands tall. I love this. He says, he's a child dripping water on the floor while telling his mom he hasn't been out in the rain. Huh? Listen, none of us can tell God how good we are. Yeah? This guy was so used to it. Basically, he was coming to just say, hey, tell me where to invest. Tell me what, tell me what it's going to cost me because I want, I want eternal life. And I can do it. I'll, I'll do it. He didn't need a system. He needed a savior, man. He, he, he didn't need to rewrite his resume. He needs a redeemer. If you're looking for systems or if you're looking to be good enough, you'll never get there. And Jesus looks at this guy and he says to him something that he tells no one else that I found in all of scripture. He tells this young, this young man, one thing, one thing, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, why, why do you think he told this man that when he told no one else that? I'll tell you. In our lives, there is going to be something or someone that's going to dominate the top position. God says it needs to be him. Scripture is very clear. Scripture says if a man can gain the whole world and lose his soul, what's it profit him? 
God knows that for us to be happy, for us to find that contentment, that joy, that following him that he wants to provide for us, that that'll only come as we realize and totally are dependent upon him and letting him be ruler of our lives. But there's a lot of others that are wanting to be king of the hill, king of the mountain in our life. Careers, too many. I've, I've, I've been there, seen that. When I was in coaching, I saw too many, too many guys. Boy, athletic, athletics can, can be a, a, adrenaline. I mean, it's, it's pumping. It can be addicting. And I, I, maybe that's one of the reasons I love it. I, I just, you know, you can. And you always want to see what you can do, how far you can go, how far, how far can you, how much can you teach, how much can you show others. And I saw a lot of guys and a lot of women who sacrificed the most productive years of their life, sacrificed years that they'd never have again with their kids, trying to climb that career, trying to climb that ladder. See too many people today doing that. And see too many people, you know, thinking, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, pour, my, I'm gonna pour myself out I'm, for the company and the company's gonna see, they're gonna appreciate that. They're gonna see how invaluable I am. They're gonna see how indispensable I am. And so they pour their years and they, and, and this is, you know, this is where they, it's the when and then thing. When I get there, then I'll have time for everything else. And when they get to that and they realize they've sacrificed all this and to the company, they're just a number. They're just a number on the payroll. And the, and the company says, uh, hey, it's been nice. We appreciate all you've done, but we're having to downsize. I'm sorry. You know, see ya. So Jesus says to this young man, you want to you 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 know where eternal life is at? It's in following me, putting me at the top of your life. Everything else, everything else, less I. The scripture says the young man left sorrowful. He grieved him. Jesus knew that apart from him, we're nothing. I think one of the most dangerous places that any person can ever get is thinking that we're just a little bit good. And to think, well, Jesus can't do without me. You know? Or to think, Jesus owes me. I mean, I go down at House of Prayer Church all the time. I do stuff for them. Jesus, he's got to appreciate what I do. You know? Listen. Listen. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means humbling ourselves. And understanding our total dependence upon him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 Familiar, very, very familiar verse, but it says it clearly. For by grace, what is it? Are you saved through faith? Read it with me. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is as a gift of God. Look at this. Not of works, lest any man should boast. None of us. None of us. It's grace. It's mercy. And then the blessings that come from being poor in spirit, what are they? Well, Jesus says here, because the poor in spirit, are, theirs is the kingdom of God. We inherit the kingdom of heaven, he says. Now, now, what's the kingdom of heaven? Kingdom of heaven that Jesus is referring to is not the place where we go when we die if we're Christians. That's heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is more than far more. The kingdom of heaven is the sphere or the realm over which Jesus rules, God rules. That's why I could say the kingdom of heaven is now here. 
It's among you. Walking with him as Lord. And what kind of life is that when we, uh, when we quit trying to be our own ruler and relax and trust him and follow him? You know his sermon's getting long when you wear out one signer and they go to another. And, and Joyce is going over there going. I just said Janice. What are the benefits? One, the first one, Karen, go ahead. Is a life that brings grace. A life that brings grace. Look in, in James chapter four, verse six. Says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. And, and it, it's old, it's, a, it's one of the first acrostics I ever remembered for grace. But, it's so, but it's, it, it, to me, it's still perfect. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything. I, I, you know, realization that, that I deserve nothing. And yet, Jesus looking down sees us and loves us. And he takes, he pays the tab. He picks up the bill for my sin, for my failures, for my, all my sin and shame. And, and, and the scripture says that God takes and then as a bookkeeping, he imputes Jesus' righteousness to my ledger. He puts it on my account. And so now when God looks and sees you or looks and sees me who have trusted Jesus as our savior, he sees the righteousness of his son. And in that righteousness, he sees all the riches, all the inheritance. Can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine what it'd be like to to be the son of the richest man in the world and have a good relationship with your father? Man, we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe, the creator God. And the relationship that he has with you and with me and he desires with us is us to know him as he knows us. And it delights in him to give us a kingdom. It's a life that brings grace. The second benefit, I think, of being poor in the spirit, inherit the kingdom of God, is it reduces my stress. <laughs> stress can kill you. You heard that? And it can't, right? I mean, you know, things build up. I, I, I want to tell you, when I'm, when I'm humble, poor in spirit, I don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know all the answers. It is so refreshing sometimes. You ever, you ever been around anybody that knew everything? Or that thought they knew everything? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, it kind of gets, it kind of gets, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. yeah. And anybody in the crowd, it's all of you are thinking of people like that right now. I don't, don't want to go to no names there. But, but it's refreshing to know that, that, that I can resign as general manager of the universe that God doesn't expect me to have it all, you know, to have it all together. God doesn't expect me to be perfect. He knew I wasn't. He knew I wasn't. He knew I couldn't be. That's why Jesus died for me. But when he looks at me, he sees the perfectness of his son. It's grace. That's grace. And when I come to that realization that I'm not perfect, I can relax because I don't have to expect perfectness on those around me. <laughs> Boy, that could be freeing. And they'll say, praise God, you know. 
Philippians 4, 12 and 13 puts it this way. And I've asked Craig to do it in New Century Version. I, I really like it. Paul said, uh, I know how to live when I'm poor. And I know how to live when I have plenty. I've learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. And when I have enough to eat and when I go hungry, when I have more than I need and when I don't have enough. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. We, we, we know, we, we talk about Philippians 4.13, we see it often. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. But the context of that is Paul's realization that through Christ, he can be poor in spirit. He can be totally dependent upon Christ and Christ is going to meet it. Now, I love this verse. But let me just tell you one thing about this verse. It's important we have verses in context and things. And Barbie's probably smiling already. We had just, we had just got married my, going into my junior year of college. And, uh, and we were, we were, we were in, still in love. We were in honeymoon mode. And, uh, and, and one of my notebooks, front of one of my notebooks, I had a place down here where you put your name, you know, and I'd put Jerry loves Barbie. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I, yeah, yeah, I like it, Dave. Uh, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's cool. It was true. Serpy. It was true. And uh, but on each one of my cards, at the bottom, I'd had a, had a verse. I didn't pay attention. At the bottom of that, of that where I put Jerry loves Barbie, uh, I this verse. So one day, Barbie's Barbie's looking in my notebook, and she says, "What does this mean?" I said, it means I love you, hon. She said, no. Why did you have to put Philippians 4.13 down there? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry loves Barbie. And I could, it's true in it, honey. It's an absolute true story. She still delights in it. Yeah. Yeah. So just put in context. Paul is saying, hey, we, we, we can learn this, this contentment. We can learn this trust. We can learn this, this uh, uh, all this, this right attitude. Because through Christ, that he's doing that in our lives. It reduces stress. And when stress is reduced in my life, then happiness can go up. You know? You want to you wanna get rid of some stress? Start thinking like Jesus thought. St- develop this poor in spirit attitude. Let me, let me uh, poor in spirit. Now, let me just talk just a minute. One more thing. It, it, it brings a life of grace. It uh, reduces my stress. But it also... Being poor in spirit, I believe, improves my relationships with other people. Let me, let me read you this. It's, it's a quote by a cancer survivor. It's powerful. I'm quoting. He says, if you have a relationship with God and you have the right attitude, you're going to learn to ask the one question in life that covers everything. I read that and I thought, wow. What is that question? What's that question, man? I mean, here's a, here's a, a person that has is, that is been to the point of, of expecting death at any time, that God has amazingly and miraculously strengthened and raised back up. And this person says, if you have a relationship with God, do you know him this morning? Know him personally? Boy, if not, before you leave here today, you're going, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask him to come in your heart. Now, I'm not asking, do you know about him? I'm not asking what you can tell me about him. I'm just asking, have you met him as a friend and as a savior? If you have a relationship with God and you have the right attitude, well, that's what we're looking at with the beatitudes, right? The right beatitudes here. And the right attitude, you have, 
you're going to learn to ask the one question in life that covers everything. You know what that question is? You want to know? I know you're waiting. I couldn't wait. And the question is, how can I help you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Puts everything in perspective. It's not about me. It's about me serving you. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? The one question that covers everything in life. Those who have been forgiven should be forgiving people. When we realize, Scripture says those who have been forgiven much are those who, you know, who have been forgiven much, loving much. We need to be forgiving people. Don't fall into the trap of Having God forgiven you so much and then having him having to beat us over the head with his word and Holy Spirit to get us to be forgiven of others. Paul is a, is a great example of a man, I think, who is poor in spirit, who has learned this secret, whose life modeled grace, who stress level, he could have stressed out, man. But he's, he's relaxed and who was forgiving. Remember, remember Paul. And, and Paul is, is quite a contrast to the rich young ruler of, of 18th chapter of Luke. He really is. The rich young ruler made a name for himself in the world. And yet we never read his name in scripture anymore. Paul, who was uh, up and coming, man, he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had been trained. He was part of that religious elite, the ruling crowd where rulers came from. And, and uh, they, they were the strictest ones and all this and he was there and he was persecuting these renegade people who he thought was was reprobates the Christians and then one day on the road to Damascus he had an encounter a encounter with the living Lord and it changed his life forever listen to uh, and I appreciate the, those of you that prayed uh, for me last evening I was able was down in, in is it Bunkhead is that part of Atlanta? Is it Buck, Buckhead or Bunkhead? Huh? Buckhead? Not Bunkhead, Buckhead. Out West Paces Road, by the governor's mansion. Wow. There are houses out there that, that uh, man, you know? And, uh, and it was out there and I had a privilege of, of being with some uh, Barbara Drew's Two, two sons are there. One of, her, one of her sons has just got a burning passion for young businessmen. That they would, that, that God is looking for young businessmen, young businesswomen that will honor him first in everything they do in our personal lives, in our married lives, in our businesses. That when we, that when we learn to do that and do that, that God will honor us. But it, the challenge was to bring us to a place and bring us so we can see that, see what God wants us to do and was there and we uh, had a, a young businessman, probably 40s, I don't know. He was still flat-bellied and uh, he had hair. He started talking about being under so much stress one time that he started, his hair started to come out. And I, I almost gagged. He's sitting there, either that or he's had, a, he's had one of these transplant things. Or he had a full head of black hair. Well, I, you know, 33 years ago when I started pastoring the house of prayer, I had hair. No, I'm just messing with you. But Brian, Brian Magi was the young guy's name, young businessman. And uh, he and I had, t- had talked earlier. He, he owns three businesses. Uh, one of them is a, is a computer and a, t- a couple others. Uh, but I loved his humility. He, he said, I want to share with you out of my failures. 
And, 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 and as you spoke to this young group of men, but I'd asked Brian earlier before, and I'd, I'd said, you need, tell, me, tell me about when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to know. He's going to talk to these young men about keeping Christ first in their lives. I want to know if he knows Christ first. I mean, that's a pretty good thing, right? So as, as, as an older and dumber, and you get my age, people just, you know, if you ask, some, if you're, if you ask questions or intrusive, whatever, they just look and say, he's old, he don't know any better. So I, you, get, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ride that horse as long as it'll run. Yeah, so I said, I said, Brian, tell me, tell me, tell me about the moment you came to faith. And uh, Brian was telling me, and he had, he was already he was 28, 29 years old. Uh, you know, wanting and and had been involved in different businesses and everything, but boy, was doing it all all the wrong way and all all this stuff. And he says uh, he was uh, he was dating this girl. I, I love that, ladies. And uh, and she said, if you want to date me, you're going to come to church with me. Uh, yes, and uh, just so happened that her her daddy was a pastor, and uh, so he, he said the first time he went, he said, you know, it's so obvious that the, that somebody had told the preacher, maybe his daughter had told him about him, because everything was you know everything was just hitting him in the face, and uh, and he told her, he said, I ain't ever going back there again. Well, he really liked her a lot, so the next Sunday he found himself back there, and he said the next Sunday was worse. And he said, uh, and he said, her father, he says, you know, and here he is, you know, he's, he's, he was the rich young ruler, self-made, had it together on the way up. And he said, all of a sudden he's, he's realizing, and he said that the, the, the man gave an invitation. And he said, I looked over at, at his daughter and said, I am out of here. No more of this. And he said, Jerry, I promise you, he said, I got up and I got to the end of the pew and I was going to turn left and go out the back door. And he said, I turned right and I went to the altar. And he said, my life has never been the same. See, Paul, when he had this personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he turned right. And, and the, the group that he had been such a part of, the group that had, that had looked up to him, now they're looking for him. <laughs> and he has to be slipped out of town in a basket because they're going to kill him. You know? Here's this, here's this man whose life takes a tremendous turn. Now, God changes his name from Saul to Paul, the evangelist missionary. Wow. Getting a new name, getting a new life. I love it. I, I just love that. I'll never, I love it. I love when my son said to me one day, Dad, I'm not the same person. You know what? Neither am I. And neither are you. When Jesus Christ, Kendall, when we've met him, all things passed away. All things are gone new. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Wow. Father, it's almost like we've were been sitting right there. I can just, I, I almost smell the, the smell of the Sea of Galilee and feel the breeze. Listen to the sounds as your son Jesus sits down and begins talking to us about our attitude, talking to us about the things of life, talking to us. And Lord, he starts it off with this, blessed are the poor in spirit. This morning I think of, I think you've just spoken to my life a little bit more of what that means. And the more I know of what it means, the more I realize it's what you model. It's what Jesus modeled for us.
completely humbled ourselves before you and realizing that we are nothing but you're everything. Father, this morning, I realize that as we sit here and as we get ready to, to go out and go to lunch or different places and I'm going to get to eat that roast that Barbie's been cooking all morning and it's going to be good. But I realize, Father, that more important than that, more important than what we're going to, decisions we're going to make next week or anything else, that there easily could be those sitting here this morning that have known about you or know about God or, but they've never, they've never been intentional about personally asking Jesus to come into their life and know have a relationship with you. So it's my prayer right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit speak to hearts, speak to lives. So critical. Lord, the world clamors and the world seems to have all kinds of systems and all kinds of, of theories about what it takes to be happy. And Lord, you said that happiness is not what happens around us. It comes from an attitude from within us. And it's an attitude that starts with being poor in spirit, realizing that we're needy. And we don't need a new resume, we need a redeemer. And we don't need a new system, we need a savior. So Father, this morning, I pray. Draw them to you. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if that's you this morning, if you've personally never asked him to come in, I'm not going to embarrass you, man. It's not here to embarrass you. I'm just here to say to you, God's word is so clear and so simple. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. If you're here and you've never personally asked Jesus into your life, it's so easy. I'd encourage you to do it right where you said, just in your heart to him. Say, God, I need you. I realize I, I can't do it myself. I'm not a self-made. I can't. We, none of us can be good enough. None of us can do enough good or be good enough to have eternal life. It's a gift from you. And this morning, I acknowledge my need of that gift and I acknowledge my need of, of you, of a Savior. Come into my life. Save me. And do in my life, take control of it, Lord. I, I'm tired of trying to call the shots. Take control. You be Lord. Follow. I'll follow. Did you pray that? If you pray that prayer from a heart that's sincere, God hears that and He knows that. With our heads still bowed, if you pray that prayer, just raise your hand. I, I want to pray for you as we close this morning. Just raise your hand up and put it right back down. I see the hands. Other hands, I see those hands. I see those hands. Oh, God, you're so loving. You love us and it's so amazing. It's so overwhelming. Any more need to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Father, you love us to where we just can't explain it. That's all I can say. You love us. And this morning, Father, for, for these that have asked you to come into their heart today, Father, as they begin this walk with you, in newness of life, Lord, that birth, that new birth, takes place instantaneous. Now, walking that out and growing that out is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. As we stay in your word, read the Bible, and as we just listen to you, pray. 
I, I pray, Lord, that for these men and women that have raised their hand this morning, that this week they, they would catch themselves thinking differently. All of a sudden, they realize, hey, I, I'm, I'm not the same. We aren't. And Father, when, when Satan would come to say, oh, yeah, things aren't changed, I pray they'd just let Jesus handle that. Let him answer the door. He knows how to handle that intruder. Thank you. We love you. We worship you through your son, Jesus.